In the decade from 1988 to 1998, almost a thousand people were killed each year in the city of Los Angeles. The death toll was so severe in those years that it was referred to as the decade of death. And the main culprits behind the murders were the gangs that were running the streets out in L.A. I mean, it was one of those things where drugs were prominent, shootings were constant, and a lot of lives were ruined by these gangs. Now, thankfully, those numbers have decreased over time. There's a lot of reasons for that. And one of those reasons is a Catholic priest named Greg Boyle. You see, Boyle lived in L.A. during the decade of death, and he decided that he was going to do something to help rescue young men and women from that gang lifestyle. So what he did is he started this, this organization, still around, it's called Homeboy Industries, and the whole goal is to give people a way out of that lifestyle. Because you see, here's the thing. Uh, even if a gang member wants to get out of that life, wants to transition into society, uh, that can be kind of tough for them. There's a lot of obstacles that they're going to face. For example, gang members aren't really considered the most employable by some companies. What with a lot of them having records and addictions of some sort, things like that. So, Homeboy Industry gives them job training, gives them support groups for their addictions, gives them education courses. But Greg Boyle, or Father G, as he's known at Homeboy Industries, he realized that there was another issue facing these people who were trying to escape that life. And the issue is, you know, it's common in that gang culture that when somebody joins a gang, they very often will get a tattoo that symbolizes that they're a part of the gang, they're a part of that new family. Well, Father G realized that an important part of escaping that life is for that individual to erase that tattoo. So what he did is his organization went out and they got all these doctors and laser machines to remove tattoos. Now, I don't know if you know this, but that's apparently a very painful process. I do not say that from experience, but it is a very painful process. Uh, one specialist said that getting a tattoo removed feels like popping grease, hitting your skin, or a more vivid illustration he gave is that it's like a hot rubber band, fully stretched, with needles on the end shooting fire. That doesn't sound very pleasant, but despite that, these gang members, they just, they line up to get their tattoos. Homeboy Industries removes thousands of tattoos every single month. And they know how painful it's going to be. But you see, these individuals also know if they want to start a new life, they have to leave that old gang life behind them, and that includes those tattoos that symbolize that. So I was reading the story about Homeboy Industries and these individuals getting out of the gang life. And, you know, those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we've been called to live a new life for Jesus Christ. Now, that means leaving our old life behind, which, believers, includes leaving behind the sin and the selfishness that once defined us. That's what we're supposed to do as followers of Jesus. And as we've studied the book of 1 John together these last few weeks, we've seen that living a new life for Christ means living like Jesus Christ. It means walking in close fellowship with the Father. But we saw last week, if you were here with us, that there are some who don't want us to live for Jesus Christ. 
Those include false teachers who at times slip into the church. Teachers who want to lead us astray, lead us into heresy. They don't want us to live like Jesus Christ, and we need to be on the lookout for them. But it's not just false teachers, church. We also need to understand that the world is going to try and draw us back into that old way of living. Back into those old sinful patterns that we were once in before we were in Christ Jesus. So this morning as we turn to 1 John chapter 3, we're going to see how God's children are supposed to live in a godless world. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to 1 John chapter 3 so that we can continue in this study together. If you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to use one of those Bibles under the seat in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn a page at 987. Page 987. 1 John chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 1. Let's see what John has for us. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. Keep your place here in 1 John chapter 3. And listen again to what John said in verse 1. Just listen, listen to what he said at the very beginning. He said, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. I don't know about you, but you can practically hear the astonishment in John's voice. He's just in awe of God's immense love for us. Believer, the reality is that we are never going to be able to fully grasp the height and depth and breadth of God's love for us. But you know what? It would be good for us to stand in awe of his love from time to time, like John did. And the truth is, there are a lot of ways that God has shown us his love, right? There's a lot of ways he's shown all of us his love. Like he showed his love in the fact that he created us at all. Please understand, God does not need us. God was not lonely and decided that he needed to make people. He wasn't incomplete before we were created. Now, he, he loved us so that we could be the recipients of his overwhelming love. He showed us his love in that despite our sin and rebellion, Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for us. God shows his love by offering this free and full salvation to everyone who believes in Christ. And if all of that wasn't already enough to stand in awe, John reminds us that we who believe in the Lord, we're called children of God. You need to remember, believers, that we were once God's enemies. Now we're his children. Think about that for a second. That's an astonishing thing. It wasn't just John who was astonished by that. The apostle Paul, Paul was clearly blown away by this truth. That's why he talks about it when he wrote to the Galatians and when he wrote to the Ephesians and when he wrote to the Romans. Paul kept talking about this truth that we've been adopted by God. We are God's children. See, this is what we are. 
And John said, this is the reason why the world, they don't really get us. They don't understand us. They don't understand this new life that we live. And it's because they don't know our great God. And here's the first thing I want us to understand this morning, church. Being children of God means that we are not of this world anymore. And we need to understand that. We're not of this world anymore. Listen to what Jesus said. In John chapter 15, Jesus was talking to his disciples. John 15, verse 19, he said this. He said, if you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Believers, this is why the world hates us, why they don't know us or understand us or care for us, because they don't know him. Here's the thing, we're not of this world, but, but we know who we are, don't we, believers? We're children of God. That's an incredible thing. A pastor once shared the story of a college student whose grandmother passed away. So the student went to the funeral, and then he came back to campus, and right around the time that he returned to campus, his, his grades started to slip. Well, and his academic advisor noticed that and figured, well, you know, he's just at his grandmother's funeral. But as time continued on, that young man's grades kept going downhill. So eventually, his advisor met with him. And the young man admitted what was troubling him so much. He told his advisor that while he was home for the funeral, he was at his grandmother's house, and while he was there, he found their family's records. And he looked in those records and saw that he was adopted. And it bothered him. He looked at his counselor and he said, I don't know where I came from. He said, I don't know who I belong to. You know, here's the thing, Christians. The good news is that we, we know where we came from, and we also know who we belong to. We came from the world. We were once a part of this sinful world. We, we were wrapped up in all of this sin and rebellion against God. The Bible says that in those days, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we were children of wrath because that's what we were headed for. But by faith in Jesus Christ, we've been adopted by the God of all creation. We, we know who we belong to. We're God's children. And Romans chapter 8 tells us that the Holy Spirit lives within every Christian. The Holy Spirit assures us that we are children of God. That's, that's who we are, church. And John says what we will be hasn't been made known. And what he's talking about when he says that is John's talking about the eternal future that God's children look forward to. All right, you see, the day is going to come, believers, where we're going to be with the Lord. Not only that, but the day is going to come when we're given, in eternity, a new and glorified body. Like our Lord's after his resurrection. A body that's not subject to decay. Or you go home and read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks a little bit more about it. And one of the ways he describes it is that, you know, these bodies we have now, they're, they're perishable, right? We know that. But we're going to be raised imperishable. These bodies that we have right now are mortal. But we're going to be clothed with immortal bodies in eternity. But you know what? Even greater than that, believer, is the truth that in eternity with our Savior, we're not going to wrestle anymore with the sin nature that we have. No, no, no. We're going to enter into perfect purity and righteousness. And you see, that's 
That's the future for us. And that's what we should long for as children of God. That's what we should look forward to. We should desire that. It should be the focus of our minds all the time, that eternal future that we have. We shouldn't long for the things of this world because we're not of this world. Christian, the question for each of us this morning is which do you long for most? Do you long for the the pleasures and sins promoted by the world, or do you long for your eternity that's been promised by Jesus Christ? Which of these do you long for most? If you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't know how to figure that out. Well, one of the ways you can know which of these you long for most is just by looking at how it is that you're living your life. You see, if we long for Christ above the things of this life, that's going to lead to us, as John put it, to us purifying ourselves. In other words, if we're eagerly looking forward to being in God's presence, that's actually our heart's desire, then we're going to change how we're living this life, right? We're going to want to live lives of purity. We're going to want to live righteously. We're going to want to live like Christ. You see, if our focus is on our future in heaven with the Lord, that's going to change how we're living our life right now in this world. That should be our heart's desire because the truth is, believers, we're not of this world. So we should purify ourselves. We should make sure we're not living like this world as God's children. Oh, but there's a lot more John has for us. Look at verse 3. John says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Let's talk about these verses for a minute. To sin is to break God's law. That's what we do when we lie and cheat and steal and lust and take God's name in vain and covet and gossip. All these things, it's lawlessness. That's rebellion. When we sin, we are defying the living God to pursue our own pleasures. We're lawbreakers when we do that. That's not always how we think about sin, is it? Even as Christians. It's not always how we think about it. No, we, we sometimes think things like, well, well, sh- sure, sure, I bend the truth a little sometimes. Some Christians might think, sure, I lust from time to time. I, I take God's name in vain a little bit. I might engage in a little gossip. It's not really a big deal. That's what a lot of us might think. That's what a lot of Christians think. But here's the thing. Whether or not we think of sin as big or small, God sees all of it as lawless rebellion. That's that's what it is. We're breaking the law. Think of it this way. Look, the three times that I have been pulled over for not fully stopping at a stop sign, that was me breaking the law. And as much as I might have wanted to say all three times to the officer, like, like, come on, is this really a big deal? It was me breaking the law. It doesn't matter whether or not I thought it was a big deal. But many Christians live in sin, and then they think to themselves, 
Come on, God. It's really a big deal. It is a big deal. God says that it is. God says that it's such a big deal that this sin, this lawlessness of ours, deserves eternal punishment in hell. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a big deal. But you remember that love that John stood in awe of earlier? Yeah, in his love for us, Jesus came so that he might take away our sin. Believers, that happened first and foremost on that day that we came to faith in Jesus Christ. On that day when we trusted in his death on the cross for our sins and in his resurrection from the dead, in that very moment, we were forgiven of all our sin. Past, present, future. We were rescued from the penalty of hell. Those of us who have done this, we're in Christ Jesus. And John says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. Uh-oh. Some of us got kind of nervous when we read that verse, didn't we? What, what's John saying when he says that? Was, is John saying that we're supposed to be perfect as Christians? Now, if you've been with us in this series so far, you know that's not what John is saying. Because earlier, John actually said, uh, Christian, that if you say that you don't have any sin, you're a liar. That's what he said. So we know he's not saying we're going to be perfect. No, 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 no. What John is saying is that the Christian, the child of God, is not going to live in continual, habitual sin. Because that was part of the old life that we used to live. Sin used to define us, believers, but not anymore. You see, just as we are not of this world, the second thing I want us to understand this morning is that being children of God means that we're not of sin anymore, believer. We're not of sin. That doesn't define us anymore. See, not only did Jesus take away our sin by forgiving us, but listen to what Romans 6 says. This is Romans 6, verses 6 through 7. It says this. To Christians, it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Christians, we were once slaves to sin. That sin nature that we all have, that propensity towards sin, that sin nature, it dominated us. Sin was the desire of our hearts, was the habit of our life. This is a defining characteristic of who we were before we were in Christ. But not anymore. If we're in Christ Jesus, you need to understand, we've, we've died to that old way of living. We've been set free from slavery to sin. Jesus broke those chains when he took our sin away. We aren't up sin anymore, believers. Now, we still sin at times, yes. We still have a sin nature. But sin isn't our master anymore. In fact, the great news, the Bible tells us through the strength of the Holy Spirit living within us, we can live righteously like never before if we walk by the Spirit. I'd encourage you to go home and read Galatians chapter 5 for more of that this week. Through the strength of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome the temptations of the flesh like never before. See, we aren't of sin anymore, believers. We're children of God, and God's children are not defined by sin. We're supposed to be defined by righteousness. So, Christians, which of these two things defines our lives most? 
would we say that we are defined by being bound to sin or by clinging to righteousness? Which of those two things defines us most? Look, the reality is that temptation, it still abounds, but the world calls us to join them in wickedness. We feel that battle within ourselves as our sin nature rears its ugly head. Sin still pulls at our hearts. I shared the story earlier of Homeboy Industries, what Greg Boyle did. Well, one of the men who was helped by Homeboy Industries was a former gang member named Gabriel Hinojos. And Gabriel was a part of the F-13 gang in L.A. And so he lived the gang life for a while until it landed him a nice little stint in prison. When he got out, he realized he wanted more out of life for him and for his family. He, he realized he wanted to be done with the gang life. So he found Homeboy Industries. They helped him turn things around. But leaving the gang lifestyle was harder than he thought it was going to be. And one of the reasons it was hard for him is because he kept feeling that pull to go back. And you know what? Sometimes he did. Sometimes he would go back and he would hang out with those guys like he used to. And on multiple occasions when he did that, he ended up being arrested again. And Gabriel shared his story and talked about how even despite those consequences, he still feels that pull to go back to that old lifestyle. He knows that he has to fight it, but he feels that pull. He's always finding himself wanting to go back. Believer, understand, before we were in Christ, we were, we were bound to sin. We were defined by it. Now that we've been forgiven and set free, we're not supposed to live that old sinful life anymore. And we're still going to feel the pull, right? Sure. We're going to feel the pull to return to old habits, to give in to former sins, to indulge in the flesh. Rest assured, Christians, when we do those things, we're going to have consequences. But the good news is we don't need to give in to those things. The good news is that Jesus has set us free. The good news is that when we abide in Christ, when we walk closely with him, like John's been talking about so far in the letter, when we do these things, we're going to find all the strength that we need to overcome that old lifestyle. Because as children of God, we're not of sin anymore. All the things of this world, its lusts, its lies, its attempts to find satisfaction and leisure and pride, all these things, they're going to pass away. This godless world is bound up in all these things, but, but as God's children, we've been called to live free from these things. And because of Jesus Christ, we can, believer. But John has a little bit more that I want us to see today. Look at verse 7. It says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Look, my 
fellow children of God. Let's not be deceived. Don't be led astray by people in this life, people who you might meet in churches, who claim to be Christians and then try and lead you into sinning with them. We saw last week that a false teacher is known by their fruits, by their deeds, their actions, the things that they do. Well, so are the children of God and the children of the devil. We're known by our fruit. Children of God should have hearts that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Will we sin and fall short? Yes. But we're going to be broken over our sin. As God's children, when we sin, we're going to be convicted of those sins. We're going to be heartbroken for those things. And as John pointed out earlier, the right response is for us to go to the Lord in repentance so we can walk with Him again. But you see, children of the devil, those are the ones who callously and continually sin. And they are just like their father, the devil. Now, in case you think John's being a little harsh when he says that, understand that Jesus said the same thing. In John chapter 8, Jesus was talking to the Jews And Jesus was telling them that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But that he came to set them free. He was telling them that they're not free. And that they aren't children of the Heavenly Father. He was letting them know these things. Well, here's the thing. The Jews didn't like that. Didn't like that Jesus said that. They protested that. They pushed back. And so finally, Jesus said this. This is in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 42. Jesus said, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he's a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Look, those who have not come to faith in Jesus Christ are not children of God. According to the Bible, according to Jesus Christ, those individuals are children of the devil. And their actions prove that. They do the things that please the devil. And in fact, their eternity is also going to be with the devil. And believers, that is what we once were too. But those of us who have come to know the Lord and believe in him, remember, now we're children of God. And as such, our actions should prove that as we do those things that please the Lord, as we look forward to our eternity with our Heavenly Father. As children of God, we aren't of this world. We are not of sin. And the third thing I want us to understand this morning, believers, is that we are not of the devil either. We aren't of the devil. We aren't in the devil's family. We aren't in his clutches anymore, Christians. That's good news. You see, the devil once blinded us to the truth, but we've been set free in Jesus Christ. Yet, that's good news because that means that we don't need to fear the devil. It also means that we don't need to give in to the devil. See, when that serpent slithers up and whispers temptations and lies and doubts in our ears, when that prowling lion tries to devour us, we don't need to roll over and give in to him and give in to sin. We don't need to do that. 
No, because the Holy Spirit of God lives within us. He guides us in righteousness, and God equips us with everything we need to live righteously. So we don't need to live like children of the devil when the devil tempts us. No, we need to live like children of God, believers. We need to remember that. We don't need to fear the devil, and we don't need to give in to him either, because we aren't his children anymore. D.L. Moody used to tell the story of this farmer who was kind of stingy when it came to money. But then the day came that this farmer put his faith in Jesus Christ. And his life was changed. And shortly afterwards, a neighbor of his was in distress and called on the farmer for help. Well, that farmer wanted to show the genuineness of this new life in Christ, wanted to show the fruit of being a follower of the Lord. So he said that he'd bring this neighbor a ham. So he was walking to his smokehouse, and as he did, that tempter, the devil, whispered in his ear and said, Hey, that's a nice thing. Um, why don't you give him the smallest ham that you have? Not even going to miss it. Give him that little one that you don't really care about. Give that to your neighbor. Well, the farmer knew that this was the devil tempting him to be, in fact, unloving and unkind. And he wrestled with these temptations. He finally got to the smokehouse, and he just threw up his hands, and he picked up the biggest ham that he had right there in that house. The devil whispered to him and said, you're a fool. The farmer said, if you do not knock it off, I'm going to give my neighbor every single ham that I have in the smokehouse. <laughs> Look, the point is the children of God, we're, we're going to face temptation in this life. People who claim to be Christians, but, but are not, but are actually children of the devil, they're going to try and convince us to join them in their sin. But we will know them by their fruit, believers. Not only that, but the devil is going to try and get us to return to those old ways of living. He can't have us in his family anymore, but he'll be content with us not living the way that God wants us to live. But that's not what we are, believers. We're not of this world. We're not of sin. And we are not of the family of the devil. We're followers of Jesus Christ. And so long as we abide with the Lord and walk closely with him, we're going to find our hearts longing for purity instead of sinful pleasures. We're going to find ourselves loving God and loving one another, our brothers and sisters, rather than loving the world and the things of this world. That's how the children of God and the children of the devil are recognized, by our love and by our deeds. The big question this morning is, who do you belong to? If you're here and you are a child of God, put your faith in Jesus Christ. He's your Savior. Understand that old life that you used to live, that's gone. That's gone, believer. That, we're supposed to live a new life in Jesus Christ. We, look, we're in the world. We're not of the world. So we're not supposed to live like the world. No, we're supposed to live like children of God. That means pursuing purity. That means battling temptation, including the temptation to return to that old way of living. You see, the truth this morning, church, is this. Our adoption into God's family isn't just about eternal life, but about living a new life for Christ. Please understand that. Our adoption into God's family is not just about eternal life, but about living a new life for Christ. I say that because there are a lot of people who will say, you're saying I just got to pray to Jesus? Yeah, sure, I'll do that. Get a little fire insurance, get a little eternal life, and I'm going to keep living the way that I was living. That's not what this is about. Yes, Jesus offers us eternal life, but our adoption wasn't just about that eternal life. It's about living a new life for Jesus. It's about committing ourselves to him following him in this world. Is that the way that we're living, church? If you profess to be a, a child of God, 
is that evident in your life? Because if you are a believer, the great news is that the Lord lives within you, and you're going to see the evidence of that. You're going to see the ways that the Lord is helping you become more holy, and more righteous, more gentle, more patient, more self-controlled, more loving. You're going to see the ways that He's helping you overcome temptation when you rely on Him in those moments. You're going to see those things. Do you see those things in your life? Or do you find yourself living the way that you have always lived? Listen to what Titus chapter 2 says. A beautiful summary of all these things. Titus 2, this is in verse 11 through 14. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Does this describe us? If not, then look, I'm going to encourage you to examine your life to see whether or not you are in Christ. I don't say that to be unkind. I say that because the Bible says we ought to examine ourselves to see whether or not we are in the faith. And if you do that, and you can say with confidence that you you have put your faith in Christ, then believer, let's throw off those sins from our former way of living. Let's pursue purity. Let's ask the Lord to give us strength to resist the pull that we feel for strength to overcome temptation. And look, if you're here and you're willing to admit that Jesus isn't your Savior, never put your faith in Him, never committed yourself to Him, never gone to Him for forgiveness, that's true for you. Friend, please understand that you do not need to stay in the family of the devil. Please understand that today you can be adopted into God's family. That today you can receive God's forgiveness. That today you can be pardoned forever from the penalty of hell. All those things can be true if today you're willing to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we saved. If you have never made that decision, friend, please understand Jesus wants to save you. He wants to save you from sin, from hell, from the way you've been living your life. He wants to save you. The question is, are you ready to give your life over to Him? If you are, we want to give you the opportunity to do that now. Let's pray together. Friend, if that's where you're at, if you know that Jesus isn't your Savior, but you're ready to change that, you're ready to be done being in the devil's family, you're ready to be adopted by God, to be forgiven by God, and to walk with the Lord, if you're ready for that, Please understand, the Bible says that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you can do that right now. No matter what you've been going through, no matter what you've done, right where you're sitting, you can go to the Lord in prayer. You can pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. That I've, I've broken Your laws. But Jesus, I know that You died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you didn't stay in the grave. 
but that you rose from the dead. Jesus, today I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins. I'm asking you to be my Savior. To be the Lord of my life. I'm ready to follow you. So Lord, today I give my life over to you. I want you to take it. Because I know you can do more with it than I can. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's anybody here today who, who made that decision, who was just adopted into your family, I pray that they would share that with someone before they leave so that the children of God can rejoice together. If there's anyone who's still on the fence, they're just not sure where they stand with you, they're not sure if they're ready to make that decision, well, I pray they'd be willing to talk to somebody before they leave. That they come find me during this final song. That they wouldn't walk out of here without knowing where they stand with you. And Father, for those of us who can say with great joy and great confidence that we are your children, I pray that you would help us in those moments when the world tries to convince us to live their way, when the devil tries to tempt us to live the old way of our lives, that you would help us to be a people that would pursue purity. That when we sin, we would repent of that sin. And we'd get right back to walking with you. I pray that you would open our eyes to all the ways that you are changing us. That you are helping us to grow in righteousness. That you would help us to be a body of believers whose love for one another and whose actions in our lives show this community what it is to be a child of God. And give us an opportunity to tell others today how they can become a child of God as well. Father, we love you. Help us never to stop standing in awe of your love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.